Welcome to the Man Cave. It's the Man Cave Football Podcast with Dan Gasper. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is another edition of the Man Cave Football Podcast. I am your host, Dan Casper, as always, thank you for listening to another episode of the Man Cave Football Podcast. And if this is your first time listening to it, well, welcome aboard and make sure you are subscribing to the podcast uh, so you never miss another episode. And uh, tell your friends about it, tell your family about it, rate us, rate the podcast so other football fans uh, can can check it out uh, as well. But uh, lots to talk about in this uh, new episode of the Man Cave Football Podcast. We've got our normal four down territory to kick things off my top five power rankings uh the top five teams that i think are right now in the nfl and then the extra points uh the extra points uh to close out this podcast but uh you know how it goes let's get it started with four down territory first down I think the big thing uh, from from the past weekend's games in the NFL uh, is what happened last Thursday night uh, against the Browns and the Steelers. Miles Garrett uh, with uh, taking the helmet off of Steelers quarterback Mason Rudolph and hitting him uh, in the head with that helmet. And you know, a lot of talk about whether Mason Rudolph got got enough punishment. Uh, Miles Garrett uh, suspended indefinitely. I know he had his appeal uh, with the NFL. We'll see if it gets changed. Uh, it's maybe just like you know finishing off this season with a suspension or whatever have you, but the other players fined and suspended in the scuffle as well. Uh, there's talk about uh, is Miles Garrett going to get uh, you know charged with assault uh, with this? I I haven't heard anything else uh, in terms of whether he's going to be charged with assault uh, in, in this incident. I have to imagine if he were, uh, it would be out there by now. So I'm assuming he's not going to be. But you know what? What's the proper suspension for for Miles Garrett after it was uh, uh, that Friday? Yes, last Friday after the game, I would say there was more fans kind of calling for Miles Garrett uh, to get a lengthy suspension, to maybe even you know set out parts of next year. At this point, now he's a first time offender, uh, so that's going to be factored in with everything. Ultimately, I think he's just going to be suspended. This is just my prediction, I guess. Kind of, you know, if I was the, uh, you know, the judge or the ruler and everything, I would say suspend him for the rest of this season, uh, and then you know, reinstate him for for the following season. Um, uh, so that that would be my punishment. Now, Mason Rudolph, did he get off a little light? Should he have been suspended some games for maybe being the instigator? Uh, according to a lot of people, should he have been the instigator uh, in this as well? I, I don't know. I. I I don't know if he was worthy of, of a game suspension, to, to be honest with you. I really don't. Fine him. That's fine with me. Um, but I don't know if it's it was worthy necessarily of a game suspension because how many times have we seen in an NFL game scuffles that are kind of similar to that? I mean, take out the Miles Garrett helmet hit. You know, take out him getting the helmet off Mason Rudolph and hitting him with it. Is that scuffle going to have any suspensions with it? I don't think so. I don't think there's any suspensions. If that helmet is not taken off and used as kind of a weapon, if you will, I don't think there's any suspensions. There's probably fines, of course, but I don't think there's any suspensions. So I don't know if what Mason Rudolph did to, you know, if you want to call instigate it, uh, if that's your thoughts. I don't know if that's worthy of a suspension for me. But Miles Garrett, 
I think he's going to end up, you know, probably going to, you know, stay suspended for the rest of this season, but being reinstated uh, the following uh, for for the upcoming season. Second down. Philip Rivers. Uh, so the Chargers fell to the Chiefs uh, Monday night football. Uh, was not a good game for Philip Rivers. Four interceptions yet the Chargers. Uh, you, you'd think with four interceptions and going up against the Chiefs, uh, you had been blown out in that game, but that wasn't the case. So maybe that's a little in, uh, indicative of of the Chiefs' offense right now. But uh, we're not talking about the Chiefs uh, in second down here. We're talking about Philip Rivers. You know, looking at his draft class, Eli Manning benched. Is he going to continue his career? Who knows? Ben Roethlisberger. I uh, you know I know he's kind of sort of flirted with retirement the last couple of years. Hurt this year. What's going to be his status? I, I feel a little bit more comfortable or confident that he's going to be back next year for Pittsburgh versus Eli Manning being back in the league next year. So now the question is, Philip Rivers, is, you know, he's going to be a free agent. What do the Chargers do at, at the quarterback position? We've talked about it a couple times in this podcast about what this quarterback group is going to look like in the upcoming offseason when you factor in potential free agents and the draft class. There's, there's going to be a lot of available quarterbacks out there. Now, you know, in the previous ones, I didn't even mention Phillip Rivers because it just kind of seemed like, uh, at, at, you know, a couple weeks ago, that, oh, yeah, he'll be with the Chargers. But, I mean, think about it now. I, I'm not trying to overreact too much to just one game from that Monday night game against the against the Chiefs. But if you're the Chargers, what do you do at that quarterback position? Do you move on from Phillip Rivers? Do you use some of that money to try to keep Melvin Gordon? Do you move on from Melvin Gordon, too? Do you, do you try to, like, maybe re build everything over there are they at that stage at this i don't know but i think if you're the chargers you know at some point you do have to move on now philip rivers maybe he's willing to sign a one or two year deal at this point but if you're the chargers even if you do bring back philip rivers this year you have to find your future at quarterback whether that's going to be you know using an early draft pick to get them or going on that free agent market and maybe finding your future now and a guy that's ready to step in and play now, who, who's going to be on that free agent market that that you know can help lead you to victories right away? Cam Newton, possibly, if he's released by uh, the Panthers. Uh, do you make a run at Teddy Bridgewater? Uh, you know, so I mean, there's a couple of those options. But I mean, if you go with a, assuming where the Chargers would select a quarterback, I don't know if they're quite at that rebuilding phase. I mean, just off of a year of a 12 and four season, so tough decisions if you're the Chargers right now at this point but uh yeah definitely i, I think if if i were them if i were in charge of the uh, the chargers the general manager there you do have to get your quarterback of the future this upcoming offseason does that mean that they're going to be playing right away i think that kind of depends on what philip rivers uh is willing to do i mean if he if he's going to come back for a little bit of a cheaper deal maybe you bring him back for a one two-year deal and then look at the draft and drafting your future there but uh, if he wants that long-term deal, I think you have to say goodbye to Philip Rivers uh, with the Chargers. Third down. Third down, all right. I know we've uh, maybe touched on it uh, in previous podcasts, too, probably about the halfway mark, if I remember right, when we were handing out some uh, uh, awards at the halfway uh, mark. And you know, one of those was Coach of the Year, and I had picked Kyle Shanahan. But there is another coach. Now, if I were still voting for Coach of the Year, my pick is still going to be Kyle Shanahan at this point. Now, these next few weeks for for the 49ers, it's a tough schedule for the 49ers. If the 49ers could come away with this and still you know, be a one or two seed in, in the NFC, then I think Kyle Shanahan 
probably solidified his shot of winning coach of the year. Uh, there's other candidates, Matt LaFleur with the Packers, uh, you know, Harbaugh with, uh, with what he's doing in Baltimore right now. And then there's John Gruden. Uh, I think John Gruden should get some consideration for coach of the year. Probably will get some votes for coach of the year. Is he my coach of the year at this point? No. But, I mean, did he make some questionable decisions this offseason? Yep. Did he make some questionable signings this offseason? Yep. Antonio Brown, Fontes Burfick, Richie Incognito. I mean, bringing in different personalities. But I think what's impressed me the most with John Gruden is not necessarily the, the talent that he's brought in that hasn't really worked out or he let out the door, Khalil Mack, Cooper. It's his almost ability to overcome some of his bad decisions or questionable decisions, and they're still winning games. I mean, the Raiders are in a position to go to the playoffs this year. Would you have thought that at the beginning of the season with you know the whole AB mess and you know kind of just go back? What, what was your thoughts of when, when the Raiders it was announced that hey, you know what they're signing AB? Oh no, they're releasing AB. They're bringing in Richie Incognito. They're bringing in Vontez Perfect. Uh, so and then there was talk about you know are, are they going to try to make a run at Kyler Murray in the draft and move on from Derek Carr? Um, you know it, it just kind of seemed almost like a circus a little bit with the Raiders. AB's not there. They didn't even play a regular season down for them. Vontez Perfect uh, suspended for the rest of the season. A repeat offender. It wouldn't. It didn't seem like it was going to line up for for the Chargers to be a you know playoff caliber team, and right now they are. So I think that's what's impressed me the most is not because we we know Mike Mayock's the general manager, but we really know that John Gruden's the main guy calling the shots, and everything has to get approved by John Gruden. We know this, right? I mean, Mike Mayock, you're probably using him a little bit more for the college prospects and the drafts. We know John Gruden's calling the shots when it comes to personnel. So while there's been some questionable personnel decisions from John Gruden, I think what's impressed me the most, what he's been doing with his Raiders team, is overcoming some of his bad decisions and some of his questionable decisions. A, that's a good coaching job. It's like it's like a coach, you know, he's he's given a hand and he's, and he's being told, you know what, overcome overcome some of these bad decisions. Overcome some of this, uh, some of these obstacles. It's like he's putting himself in, in, in a difficult situation as a coach sometimes when he kind of has that that GM cap on. I know he's not the GM, but we know he is making most of the shots, making the final call. Seems like sometimes John Gruden's just putting it, making it harder on himself in, in the personnel department. So you know, he's, I think he's doing a great job as coach, by far exceeding my expectations so far, by far. Fourth down. A little bit of a college uh, talk for coming up in fourth down and for for the extra points. Uh, But uh, for fourth down here, you know, looking at Alabama, losing their starting quarterback, Tiger Viola, who was uh, uh, thought as maybe being the the first overall pick uh, in the upcoming draft just a few weeks ago, suffering that gruesome hip injury, surgery. Uh, He's done for the year. You know, when when it happened, there's a lot of concern. Is it similar to to, to Bo Jackson's injury that ended his career? It sounds like it's not. But you have to imagine this is going to affect his draft stock. Whether you you agree with it or not, it's going to uh, affect his draft stock, especially with the other uh, quarterback play in college so far. Joe Burrow from LSU, maybe vaulting now into that number one spot uh, for the for the quarterbacks. But you know, so if, if Tagovailoa is 
is dropping down on the draft boards because of his hip injury. Who, where, where does he go? Who, who's going to target him? We, we've we've talked at length about this offseason's quarterback grouping with veterans and draft prospects. Would would there be a team willing to take a? I mean, do we label Tagovailoa as a, as as a risk or as a, taking a flyer on him because of the hip injury, because of the hip surgery? And and I was seeing this across social media, and I'll admit I didn't think of it right away, but it makes complete sense of what team should take a look at him and drafting him. And that's the New England Patriots. That that would be such a Bill Belichick type of move. I don't know what the future is going to be like with Tom Brady. I don't know if he's going to be done this year. I know a lot, Adam Schefter talked about he thinks this is going to be his final year. I don't. Nobody knows. But wouldn't that be the ultimate Bill Belichick, New England Patriot draft move? Tag of Viola drops down on the draft board. Patriots either stand pat depending on where they're picking or maybe they move up a little bit and they draft him. And maybe they sit him for a year. You know, if, if Brady's going to play maybe one more year, they sit Tag of Viola, then he's ready to start. Or they bring in a veteran for a year, year or two. I, it just that seems like a New England Patriots pick, doesn't it? You're talking about the guy that might have been the number one overall pick or the number one quarterback drafted just a couple weeks ago. We were talking about this. That was the the prevailing thought out there. And now with this injury, he's going to drop down on the draft boards. And there you go, New England Patriots swooping in to get him. I could totally see that. I can totally see that. And I would not be. Shocked one bit if that were to happen. All right, let's do my power rankings, my top five power rankings. Uh, we don't do the whole 32. We'll just do the top five, making it a little bit more difficult, uh, I guess, because especially with the, I mean, you look across the NFC, there's five teams with eight-plus wins right now. That's insane. It's insane. And then you got the AFC with maybe a little top-heavy with a couple teams and the Chiefs just on the outside looking in of that because I think there's some question marks surrounding uh, the Chiefs right now. But looking at my top five, let's start off with number five and then go on to number one. Number five, I'm going to go with the Seattle Seahawks. Russell Wilson, MVP candidate over there. Uh, So number four, I'm going to go with the Green Bay Packers. Big game coming up against the 49ers. They could really vault up in in, in the NFC in these standings if they can get that win. Uh, Patriots, I got at number three. Ravens I got at number two. This Ravens team's legit, and they're getting better, and that's what is more scary about this team. We know about Lamar Jackson. Right now he's probably my MVP. Dude's a top 10 rusher in the league as a quarterback. He's getting more yards than Melvin Ingram. You can say what you want about running quarterbacks, how long are they going to last, but you know what? It's working right now for the Ravens, and that's all they care about right now is right now. Ravens number two. I still have the 49ers at number one. They squeaked by a victory against the Cardinals. They're still only one loss, uh, one loss team. Still got a good defense. They still got a good rushing attack. 49ers, though, this is where it's going to get interesting for this team. This is where they have a chance to solidify themselves as, as one of the elite teams in the league with this upcoming schedule. Packers this weekend. You got Saints on the schedule. You got to go up to Seahawks uh, yet again. You got the Rams in there, which could be a plucky team. I believe they got Atlanta, and Atlanta is actually playing better now. 
So right now I still have the 49ers number one, the Ravens number two, the Patriots number three, the Packers number four, and the Seahawks number five, with the Saints probably at the number six spot right now if we were to expand it. All right, let's do the extra points. Uh, last topic of uh, this uh, this episode of the podcast, going back to the college game, but also bringing in the NFL draft. You guys know me. I, I love the NFL draft, one of my favorite events in, in the sporting calendar. So we talked about Tagovailoa. If and I'm going to let's just assume the Cincinnati Bengals are going to be drafting first overall, still without a win this year. Um, let so let's just assume that the Bengals are going to be the team drafting with the first overall pick. I think that's a safe assumption. It's a good assumption. So what do you do? What do you do if you got the number one pick and you're the Bengals? And I'm going to throw two names out there. Chase Young, Ohio State, do you stay within state, defensive end, premier pass rusher, or do you find your new quarterback? Because let's face it, Andy Dalton's not going to be the starting quarterback for the Bengals next year. They're looking for their new future starting franchise quarterback. Do you go Joe Burrow? What do you do? Now, the easy answer would be, well, you need your your, your franchise quarterback. you got an offensive-minded head coach, and... Uh, you you want to bring in, start all over, get your franchise quarterback, build everything up around that franchise quarterback. But to me, Chase Young, it might be the more, and I'm not using this word in a, in a negative sense because I do think it can be used in a negative sense sometimes when you talk about player evaluation. Chase Young, though, might be the safer pick. And what I mean by that is it's almost like he's a for sure thing. Like that, he's. I don't want to say guarantee because I don't like putting that on there. But if I had to pick between Chase and Joe, I, I, I guess I'm more confident that Chase Young's going to live up to that potential that we're seeing right now. Franchise quarterbacks are the more most important position on your squad, on your team. There's no doubt about that. I would say, you know, pass rushers might be second or left tackle. I mean, you're talking about a top three position right here where the Bengals could get a cornerstone piece of their franchise. You know, sometimes we, we go through a draft where that number one pick, there's still some question marks surrounding them. Look uh, looked like 2015. Jameis Winston, number one pick. Marcus Mariota, number two pick. They may be on different teams next year. They didn't work out as franchise quarterbacks. At least right now they're not. So you got the Bengals sitting here Stock's high on Joe Burrow right now. Chase Young just looks like a, a, a freak for a pass rusher. So this is a tough call, but you know if you're a Bengals team that is that you know you're rebuilding and you know you have to get this uh, cornerstone type of player, in one hand, it's a good position to have, but if you guess wrong, oh, you lose jobs because of that. So I guess... For me, I know I'm going against you know my own thought process where that franchise quarterback is the, is the most important player on your team. I might go with the pass rusher on this one, though, because Young just looks like the real deal. Dynamite. I mean, four sacks going up against a Wisconsin Badgers offensive line, too. I might go Young, knowing that this quarterback... Offseason is going to be loaded with some names. Now, I, 
Cincinnati's not going to make a run for like a Cam Newton or anything like that. They probably want to try to find that younger guy. But hey, can you maybe somehow make a a sign and trade deal? AJ Green and maybe you get another first round pick and then you could get another quarterback. Think about that too. Think about that if the Bengals can come away with two first round picks in this upcoming draft. And you get young and then a quarterback, that'd be a good haul. Really good haul. All right, that's it for this episode of the Man Cave Football Podcast. I am your host, Dan Casper, as always. Don't forget, subscribe to my podcast and give us a good rating, too, so uh, other football fans can find the podcast as well. And we're, uh, of course, located on your favorite podcast uh, podcast app, podcast platform, like Apple, Google's, Stitcher, Spotify. You know the drill. This is the Man Cave Football Podcast, and I am your host, Dan Casper.